Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Been a while since I've been up here. I'm excited about today. If um, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is Pastor Bo Stevenson. I'm I guess a pastor here at Grace, I get an opportunity to teach God's Word and to bring it and uh, do a couple other things around here and, and in my life. And I'm, uh, it's something that I'm passionate about. Um, I felt since the very beginning, um, I remember being five, six years old, uh, telling my grandma and my mom and my dad that, hey, you know, I really, I think I want to be a pastor. I want to be a preacher. And, and so it's just been a calling that's been on my life for a long time and, and for a short period was something I, I felt like I was running away from. But... Regardless, I'm excited to be here. Um, Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today, Lord, and I thank you for the opportunity to bring your word. And I ask, God, in your name that you would allow me just to step aside, Father, because I, Bo Stevenson, has nothing nothing to say, Lord, but I pray that you would speak through me and that your word would would hit the mark and that that somebody would be able to receive it, that you would uh, get ready the soil for the seed, Lord, and just allow us to, to have a wonderful time of fellowship and and, and worship towards you, God. And we thank you and we give you all honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been in a series called The Church. I think this is part six or seven. So it's been a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a series, kind of a longer one. But we've talked about some amazing things that are part of the church, like prayer and worship. And we've talked about baptism, both, both in the Holy Spirit um, and baptism in water. We've talked about being rooted in God's word. And Dr. Dave talked about the spiritual gifts, correct, uh, uh, that each and every one of us possess to, to better the body of Christ. And so I thought that it was fitting today that we've talked about all the aspects of the church, the, the things that make us uh, perfect, not, I wouldn't say perfect, but effective ministers of the gospel, effective members of the body of Christ. And so today, let's talk about what our purpose is as a church as a whole. What, what is our purpose? Why do we exist? You know, a lot of the times in this world, I think there's a big misconception about the church. We often think of the church as a building, as a building. We talk about the church, the church building. And I think as we've come through this pandemic, you know, 2020, uh, I'm sure most of y'all would agree with me, that was a year straight from hell, it feels like. And so in 2020, we had an unprecedented time where the fir- for the first time in America, American history, churches were closed on Easter Sunday. We weren't gathering on, on one of the most important days of the year where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, we were closed a lot longer than that. Some, some churches were probably closed for almost over a year. Thank God we, you know, what was it, four months, five, six months, something like that, that Grace Church, there were no services being held here. And I feel, you know, it's just been on my heart for a couple of months, but it, it's almost like in my life when the church was closed down and we were no longer meeting on Sunday, that almost opened up my eyes, and I'm sure many others' eyes, um, you know, it, it changed the way that we view the church. Because all of a sudden, church is canceled. The church is canceled. Does that mean that, that church no longer exists? It doesn't. But I found myself, Pastor Bo Stevenson, because Grace Church wasn't open, because we weren't meeting on Sundays, what started happening in my life was, yeah, you know, it was great. We could watch online. We had some services going on. Well, pretty soon, you know, middle of summer, Sunday morning, rather than worshiping God in my home with my family, I'm out doing yard work or I'm out 
doing whatever I want, doing something else. I wasn't, I wasn't participating in the body of Christ. And it made me realize that, you know what? Just because we're not meeting in person in a physical building does not mean that church is not happening, that the church does not exist. We've made a mistake in this world in, in saying that church is, is a physical building. You know, we come to church, these four walls, we, we've, we've made an attempt as, as humans to, to, to push God into four walls, into a box, into a building saying, God, I'm going to come and meet you one day a week out of my life. This is where you stay and you just stay out of the rest of my life. God does not exist in a building. He cannot be contained in a single structure. The church is not a single place. It's, and it's not even, when I say the church, it's not even Grace Church. This is a part of the church. The church is every Christian, every person who professes Christ that now belongs to that body of Christ. It's every person that's ever lived, will live, has lived, past and present. It's not a building. God doesn't dwell in just a place. We're not going to meet God because God is with you. The Bible says that if you have Christ in your heart, if if you are a born-again believer and you profess him with your mouth, that that you are now the holy temple of God. God doesn't dwell in a single structure. That's the Old Testament. Back in the past, when before Christ, the sacrifice and the resurrection, before all that happened was the Old Testament, where we'd have to have sacrifices to atone for our sin for a year. And we'd go to a, into a temple, we'd go and meet God and only one person would go through and there was a veil that would, that would block God's presence from us. But now that Jesus died on the cross, thank God, he has torn that veil and now God, Jesus acts as the bridge between man and God. So God is now with you. Everywhere you go, you are in the presence of God. Man has created in an attempt to, to get closer to God, man has created these large and extravagant buildings that, you know, I think about the cathedrals, beautiful tall buildings with, with great uh, stone structures and, 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 and stained glass windows. And we've created churches with gold-lined altars and, and dress codes. And the pastor has to wear a robe and, a, and, and has to, everybody has to dress the same. And you have to have all your stuff together in a vain attempt to try to get God's attention. Guess what? This could all get burnt down tomorrow and the church would still exist. We would still be meeting with the same passion and the same fire and God would still have the same passion and love for you as he does right now. The music that Matthew and the worship team plays doesn't doesn't, uh, determine the amount of, of attention we get from God or the amount of feelings that we get from God, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't just a feeling. He's, he's a person. He is in you. He is with you. I think about uh, the church when we were in the DR. You know, the, the church there, uh, what was the pastor's name? Uh, well, Pedro and, anyway, the, De Johannes, yes. I should know that. I can't pronounce it anyways if I knew it. <laughs> great, great man, great man of God. His church was a little shack, something that most of us probably wouldn't even park our car in in the winter. But how many of you know that lives have been changed in that church and it no longer exists, thank thanks to the, the gener, you know, gener, generous giving of this church and, and God's provision. But that church at the time was just a shack. But God still dwelt in that group yeah. of people, in the body of Christ, and they still had church. Yes. And so I'm encouraging us today as we move forward in this message, let's quit thinking about church as a place, but realize that you and I are the church. We are the church. We don't go to the church the church goes to a place to meet. 
Now, while it's important, you know, I'm not saying, listen, you know, you're saying, well, you know, Bo, you know, you shouldn't, you're saying you shouldn't dress the best for God or we shouldn't have nice things to represent God. No, what I'm saying is if we have the ability, which thank God we do, we should give God our best. To rep, you know, it, we should set the things of God apart from the things of this world. And so, yes, if we have the means and the ability to do so, this church should be the most beautiful building in the community. This church should stand as a lighthouse. The, the landscaping should reflect God's glory and, and, and there shouldn't be weeds. There shouldn't be issues. You know what I'm saying? If we have the ability, but if we don't, it doesn't matter. We can have the most beautiful music. We can dress the best. But if we stop focusing on Christ and we stop focusing on our purpose as the church, then all of this is worth nothing. This is garbage. You and I, if we are, are, are not putting our focus on Christ, if we come here in an attempt to say, listen, I'm just coming here because it's Sunday, because this is what I do. You know, I give 52 days out of my year to come and I, and I, and I act like a good person and we just do it because we're supposed to do it. If we're doing that kind of a mindset, then this is worthless. We're wasting our time. We're called to be a church that has focused on Christ and to realize our purpose. And our, we're going to talk about our purpose today. Now, there's three main purposes for the church. And, and, and the cool thing about this is they're separate, but they all coincide because you can't have one without the other. The first is that the church exists for evangelism. The, church, the second, the church exists for discipleship. And the third, the church exists to glorify God. And this is the most important. It's what everything else hangs on to glorify God. And so let's take a look at the first one. The church exists for evangelism. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples, this is before he ascended into heaven after the resurrection, he says, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he says that you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what he's saying is, listen, you're going, you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about the things that have happened in your life, what you've seen, the power that is in Christ. We are called to be his witnesses. Amen. And so everything that we do as a church, both individually and as a collective body, should be designed and should be focused and built around the goal of reaching people for Jesus. It should be. Everything that we do should have the mindset of saying, listen, yeah, you know, it's not just me, you, and a few. It's all of us trying to reach this world for Christ because there's a world that's looking for something. And, 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 and why, if you've, got, if you've got something as powerful as Jesus, why, why do we sit on our hands and not say something about it? This world, I mean, I get so frustrated. I, I, I can't even watch the news anymore. I can't, I can't hardly get on social media because there's a world that is out there that is looking for something to fill the hole that everybody has in them. And yet the church is silent. We should be the ones that are standing up and saying, listen, that thing that you're looking for, the, the issue, you know, all this mental health and all the, the depression and the anxiety that people suffer could be answered in one name. It's Jesus. And so everything we do as a church should be focused on that one thing. Now, the way the church is designed, that God has created the, the, the body of Christ, he, he's given us, you know, the ability to, to thank God we live in a country we can do so, but we're called to meet together. Don't forget this, the meeting of the saints, which is what we're doing now. So we're called to meet together as a collective body. And we have one, one couple, you know, well, these purposes, but, but we all have unique callings and unique abilities that we are, are called to find and to pray for and, and ask God, listen, reveal this to me. And, and we're called to, to use those abilities in the body to, to, to better fulfill the purpose of the church. 
The body of Christ and the church is designed for outreach. It's to be the hand of Jesus. And so evangelism is so important because it's where it all started for you and I. Now, you might be thinking, well, you know, what, what is evangelism? Are you talking about an evangelist? Well, I'm, I'm not. This is separate. In our meeting this morning, the, the, the uh, staff of the church and stuff met before service, and we got to talking about the message, and, and it was brought up, you know, when you, when you say the word evangelism, a lot of the times you think of an evangelist, somebody that comes to a church and preaches the gospel or stands on the corner and on a soapbox with his Bible, you know. When I say evangelism, what I'm talking about is not necessarily you guys just everywhere you go throwing a Bible around and smacking them in the face and, 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 and constantly standing on a box and preaching the gospel. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is spreading the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Now, personal witness is what I want you to focus on because, because I think when, when, you, when you hear public preaching, that's what you think about is, well, I, I, don't, I can't do that. That's not one of my gifts. I'm not able to do it. Well, listen. We're all called, as you go, preach the gospel. And it doesn't mean in, necessarily in your physical words. I mean, think, think about the point that you were saved. Because at some point, if, if you're a born-again Christian, and when you came to Jesus, at some point, each and every one of us had somebody preach the gospel to us in one way or the other. Through their physical words, through their actions, through the life that they lived, through their work ethic, through the situations that they went through and, and made it by, you know, left us asking, man, what have you got that I don't have because you should be down and out. You should be six feet under. How did you make it through? And they were able to evangelize to you saying, listen, it was Jesus. Ooh, that scared me. <laughs> and so as you go through your life, I want to encourage you to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel in the way that you talk. Get off of Facebook if you can't handle Facebook. Listen. God isn't blind. You can't block God from fa your Facebook account. If, if people hear you in public preaching, oh, praise God, Lord, I'm a born-again Christian. Thank you, victory in Jesus. But then you go on Facebook. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> forget the president. And I, you, know, you, you can't be one person here and one person there because they're the same. You know what I mean? Preach the gospel through your words, through your actions, in your home. In your work, your work ethic. If you profess to be a Christian, don't go to work and just give it 10%. Work as though you're working unto God. I mean, if, if you had a, I think Pastor, when we were doing construction, Pastor Travis told me this. He encouraged me. There was a pile of dirt out, outside. And he told me, he's like, listen, anything you do, you should do as unto God. He said, if, if Jesus told you, showed up and told you, go, go load that, that pile of dirt in the back of my pickup with a, with a spoon, you would do it. So work as though unto God. Your finances should be preaching the gospel with your money, with the way you spend it, with the way you handle it, with the way you give it. Your entire life is a life of evangelism. If we say that we're saved and God has saved us and he's pulled us out of our junk, why do we keep living and portraying our life as though we're still living in that junk? What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wasn't in my notes, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. All right. If, if God has saved you out of your junk, quit living as though you're still in that junk and live like you have been saved, like you have been purchased with a price. That price was paid for you and I. You're expensive. 
People in this world might tell you you're worthless, you're worth nothing, but I'm telling you right now, God of all, the creator who created the people who are calling you worthless said that you were worth more than anything to where he gave, you, gave his son for you. I've got a son, I've got a daughter, I wouldn't give him up for any of y'all. Turn your, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 32. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 32 right now, so we're at the point where so, so Christ promised that the Holy Spirit would come down. He said, go and, and wait. And so these guys, are, the disciples are all up in the upper room. And, and all of a sudden they're praying. And, and it says that the Holy Spirit came upon them with, with, with fire, tongues of fire that rested on their head with a, with a sound like a rushing wind. Amazing things going on. And they began speaking in tongues. And, and the people out on the street, it says there were people from out of town. There were people from Egypt and all over that, that spoke different languages. And they're walking by this building and they're hearing words being spoken, praise being, being spoken in their own language. And they're asking like, man, how is it that these people are, 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 are Galileans? You know, they shouldn't be speaking our language. How is it that I understand that? And others walk by, they're like, well, it's not even 9 a.m. They're already drunk. They're having a party up there. And, and, and so these people are questioning what is going on. And, and in verse 32, Peter comes out and he's saying, listen, he's like, God has raised this Jesus to life. He be, and, and we're all witnesses of it. And so he begins preaching the gospel. He starts witnessing to these people like listen this is what's going on verse 33 says uh, exalted to the right hand of God he has received from the father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear for David did not ascend to heaven and yet he said the Lord said to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet therefore let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah and when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brother, what shall we do? And Peter replied, re replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And so what's going on? These people have witnessed something miraculous happen in these guys' life. Something crazy, a move of God. And did these people just, did these guys just sit in the room like, Well, yeah, well, I guess we are drinking. You know, just mind your own business. This is nothing, you know. Were they embarrassed to preach it? No, they're like, Listen. This is what's going on. This Jesus who was crucified is now alive and well at the right hand of the Father. And he's moved in our life and he's here to, to save you of your sins. He's preaching the gospel. And it says that people that, 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 that were, let's see, it says, uh, where was I? Uh, verse 40, uh, or verse 39, the promise of, for you and your children and for all who are fall, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And most importantly, it says, verse 31, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to, to their number that day. 3,000 people were saved that day because they had the boldness to say, listen, this is what's going on in my life. This is what Jesus did. This is who I used to be. This is what I used to do. This is where I'm at now. And this is where I'm hoping and where I'm going, where, where I'm going to end up. This is what God did for me. And so they had the boldness to preach the gospel. And 3,000 people were saved and added to the church. People are going to start seeing the things in your life, the great moves of God, the, 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 the trials that you go through, the blessings that you get from God. They're going to no take notice and start asking you, like, what am I missing? Because you obviously have found something that I, I don't have and I need to know. And we, we either have the choice of saying, you know, brushing it off and saying, well, you know, it's <laughs> just lucky, I guess. Or we can say, listen, in boldness, say, listen, no, this is Jesus. I, this, none of this belongs to me. I've done nothing in my life to deserve anything that I've got. But because God's grace is poured out on me, this is what's going on in my life. And, and he wants the same for you. They had the boldness to preach the gospel. 
Now, Peter and the rest of the apostles were passionate about sharing the gospel because they had seen firsthand the resurrection. They had been there when, when Christ had performed all of his miracles, so they had seen with their own eyes the, the powerful moves of God. And you say to yourself, well, man, I, you know, I would, yeah, I would be that passionate too if I had seen that. If I had been there in person when, when Lazarus come out of the grave, if I had been there when the blind man could see. Well, listen, if you open up your eyes enough, you're going to see it in person today. There's been amazing things happen in this church. I, some of y'all have been rescued out of drunkenness, out of alcoholism. You were at a place in life where people basically wrote you off and said you're never going to stand up and now you're alive and well praising God. Some of y'all have been in financial ruin and God has turned that around. I've seen cancer healed. I've got a friend who, who three times now has had the, struggled with the exact same cancer. Three times. It started in his 30s and now he's almost 50. In a short span of time, horrible treatment, Horrible, tough, rough, major surgeries. And he's still today standing, as far as I know, cancer-free. I have watched God move in him to where, you know, I can't help but say it was God. How can you say three times a, 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 a diagnosis? He was basically put in the grave and God has healed him three times. And I've told him, I said, listen, man, you have obviously have a purpose on this planet. And God ain't done with you yet because... Most people would have been taken out the first time of what he went through. But if you open up your eyes good enough and start seeing and are willing to notice the moves of God, they're even small things. But God is still moving today the same as he was back, back when Christ was walking the earth. And so we have no reason but to be, or we have no other option but to be passionate. The very fact that you are now saved, that you're not who you used to be, that we now have an eternal home is enough to be praising God and to, and to want to tell the whole world about it. And so what does evangelism look like in the church as a whole? It looks like missions. It looks like going to the DR. It, it, it's going out into all the world. You know, this church has been to Cuba, to, to Uganda, to the DR, to uh, domestic states. We've gone around the United States preaching the gospel, helping people, showing the love of Christ. Is it to glorify ourselves? No, it's, it's just because that we're a bunch of people we haven't got all of our stuff figured out, but we know that, 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 that God has, has poured out love upon us that we didn't deserve. And there's a world out there that needs to feel that same love and deserves that same exact love, even though ourselves don't want to do it. But we know that because God first loved us, we can love other people. Yeah. Evangelism in the church looks like serving people. Serving people. We go out and we serve people and we show them the love. You know, we, there's the women's shelter, the donation to the women's shelter. There's the race for grace. There's the men's group that helps people move out of their houses. It's serving people even when we don't feel like it. Serving people is so important in evangelism because in Rome, Romans chapter 12, verse 20, Paul says that on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If you're, he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Now, this is backwards from what the world tells you. If somebody hates you, you're supposed to hate them back, right? Somebody comes against you and, and, and tells you you're a fool for believing in God or you're a fool for doing this. Well, you know, natural human instinct says, well, forget you, in kind words. But, but, but Paul is saying, that on the contrary, you need to go out. If, you're, if, you're, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so that phrase, you will heap burning coals, is kind of, a, kind of a strange phrasing. But what he's saying is it's a symbol. 
you know, fire is purifying. It's a symbol of saying, listen, you know, if, you're, if the person who comes against you who, who might hate you in this world, if you show them love, it's like turning a mirror on them because, because eventually they're going to be saying, listen, I have been so cruel to you. The things I've said to you, why are you being kind to me? You should hate me back. But we're turning a mirror on them and saying, listen, you know what? I love you because Christ first loved me because I'm a person in the eyes of God and probably in the eyes of people around me that shouldn't deserve love, that shouldn't deserve grace. But because of that, you know, I've, I've how many of you know that as that we have all cursed God in one way or the other? We've all come against God in one way or the other. And so when people come against us, the same grace that God has poured out on you, we're to pour out on other people. And in doing so, it, it eventually will end up to them saying, listen, Why? And it opens up doors for us to share Jesus for them, evangelize. It opens up their, need, their, their eyes to their need for Christ and eventually will lead to repentance. Evangelism in the church means that our church is called to be a, a place who welcomes everyone. The church should be a diversified church. It shouldn't be just a black church or a white church or a Hispanic church or a Chinese church. It is the church of God. That's one thing I don't understand is racism. I've never understood that. I, I don't get it now as a Christian. How, uh, how another Christian can look at somebody of a different race and say, well, they're, they're inferior to me because, you know, look at the way they look or the, look where they live or how they live or what they spend their money on or, or you know, it doesn't exist in the church. We're called to be a diversified church. Amen. We're not just a wealthy church. We're not just a poor church. We're all the same in God's eyes. And so we should all be the same to one another. Being a welcoming church means that it doesn't matter where you came from or, or, or what you've done in your past. You're welcome here. If you're new to Grace Church, new to the church, I'm here to tell you, listen, look around. Every single person has probably been in the same spot that you feel like you're in today. If God can leave our, our sins in the past, if God can leave our past, you know, and just forget about it, then I think I can too. We shouldn't be, be judging people based on, on who they used to be or what they used to do. Or, or you remember, oh man, in high school this person did this. Oh, I wouldn't trust them in this ministry. Now obviously, there's some safety restraints, in, you know, especially when it comes to kids' church. You know, just basic logic and a few things. that, that There's a few steps, but your past doesn't define who you are. Christ defines who you are. Another big thing is, is some churches... I don't know if they intentionally put this vibe off or, or, or anything, and I'm not saying Grace Church does this, but there's churches out there that make you feel like in order to step through the doors, you've got to have all your stuff together. A lot of the thing that stops people, one of the things that stops people from ever wanting to step foot into a church or being open or receptive to Christ is because their view of the church is a bunch of people in a suit and tie with their hair slicked back with pomade and, 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 and singing hymns and they all know the words and, and it's just perfect and they have no issues and they go back home on Sundays and they have family dinner and they pray with their kids and their kids all get A's. Listen, that is, that is not the truth of the church. But if we're portraying, what's the point of us thinking, you know, living Monday through Saturday with, with our, our life in, in a big old jumbled mess and then showing up on Sunday and pretending to be somebody that we're not? That's, I get a lot of, uh, 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 you know, people, sometimes I've been told that I'm almost too honest up on stage that I, I talk too much about my personal life. Listen, I, I'm open and about my struggles and about my issues because I want you to know that, that, that God can still use you even though you're not perfect. Right. I, me, if I ever met myself, I wouldn't like myself. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I, 
I have times, especially as a father, where <laughs> I will try to discipline my son or, or have some sort of interaction in my home, and I'll, I'll just leave and think, I am the worst father. I am horrible. God, why do you use me? Well, listen, I'm only up here because of, because of God's grace on me, that his favor and saying, listen, he's going to, you know, well, he, I'm just saying he can use you no matter what. I, I, don't, I don't want you to think less of me, but I ain't perfect. Trust me. I, and I'll, and I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7.20, if somebody ever tells you that, that, that church is for the perfect and that they never sin, they never struggle, I want you to turn to this verse for them. Ecclesiastes 7, chapter 7, verse 20, it says, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. So if someone tells you you're perfect, that they, that they live a sinless life, you point that back and say, well, God says something else to you. And so our purpose is for evangelism and, and, and in order... To become effective at evangelism in the, in the church, we have to understand our next purpose, which is the purpose of discipleship. The church exists for discipleship. One of the very last things that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven was in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And this is known as the Great Commission. He said, listen, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so the calling of discipleship for the church is clear. God's intention for the church was to build the church through evangelism. And after evangelizing people and bringing them to Christ, bringing them into the body of Christ and discipling them. And discipleship is just a fancy word for mentorship. It's just mentorship. It's a way for, for, for mature Christians who have walked with Christ for, for a, a long period of time that, that still are, are reaching for the goal of, of, of heaven, but, but understand that, hey, you know, I've got something to teach the, the younger, and when I mean younger, I don't mean physically younger, the, the, the immature, the new believer. We, we, we take people under the wing and mentor them so that they, they can become more like Christ through your actions and through your teachings. Discipleship does three big things. Discipleship, discipleship helps us to discover who Jesus is and how you and I can be more like him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, to, uh, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, <clears throat> leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And so Jesus is our example that we're supposed to follow and look towards. And if we don't understand who Christ is, if we don't understand that, that Jesus is our example. If we don't understand who Christ is, there's no way that we'll be able to, to know how to be a disciple or know how to be discipled if we're not going to be able to disciple other people. Triple Ds. <laughs> now, discipleship also allows us to grow in relationship with God and with others. If you're a new believer or, or maybe you've walked with Christ for a long time but you still feel stuck like you're still just a, a young Christian, one of the best things that you can do is, is to approach somebody Find somebody that, that has walked with Christ for a long time and, and ask them, hey, listen, would you be my mentor? Get into a relationship with that person in prayer and in Bible study. That's the most important thing you can do. I, uh, Pastor Travis and I did that uh, nine years ago when I first started coming to Grace. It was before I had even started dating Ashley. But I, I knew from a young age that I had a calling on my life and I didn't know what that looked like and, and I didn't know how to approach. I mean, I, I grew up in a very small church. That was, uh, at the time that I, before I started coming to Grace, was I think probably 30, 20, maybe 20, 30 people or less. Very small church. And so I didn't understand 
what ministry looked like. I just knew that there was something inside of me that, that, that was to go above and beyond my, my, you know, what I was doing at, the, at that time. And so I approached Pastor Travis and I said, hey, listen, this is what's going on. This is what I feel. And, and we started meeting twice a week in prayer, Tuesdays and Thursdays, early in the morning. And we would go to breakfast and we were intentional about it. Pastor Travis would, was patient. <laughs> I think I asked a lot of stupid questions. <laughs> a lot of stupid questions. But, but, but he was a person, you know, in that discipleship, I'll call it a discipleship program because that's basically what it was. I, I learned how to, how to preach. He's the reason I'm up here because you are the one that found a, a, a ability or a gift, I guess, to preach. I preached my first message and it's just history from then. But, but it's important that, that you find somebody that you can, you can come up under and be intentional about it. Not just whenever you feel like it or whatever. You have to be intentional to set times where you're praying together, where you're meeting, where you're doing a Bible study. Because that person will be able to look at you and say, listen, this is a gift that I feel are, are, are in you. That this is kind of the direction I think God's going to call you. And, and they'll be able to plug you into programs. Pastor Travis helped me set up serving. I did kids ministry, a bunch of other things. It's so important that you find somebody to come up under and to mentor you. And it doesn't matter your age. You could be younger or old. We, it's important because that's what Jesus did for his disciples. When you, when, you, when you get into discipleship, your relationship with God will grow, will grow because God will reveal himself to you through another person. Discipleship develops maturity. Discipleship is necessary for the life of a believer because it encourages growth and maturity in our walk with Christ. We're not called to, to just live the, the bare minimum in this Christian life. You know, we come to Christ and we're saved. and We're not called just to be, uh, you know, we come to church on Sundays and praise God. Well, I'm not going to serve you. Know, I don't know how to do that or I don't know how to preach so I can't do that. And I, I don't know nothing about kids so I can't serve in kids ministry. Or, or, or I, you know, I don't know nothing about bi the Bible. I don't know it so I can't do a Bible study. We're not called to stay in the same place. We're called as Christians to become mature in our faith. To be mature in our faith. If you're not surrounded by a community of like-minded believers, then it will be tough for you to mature in your faith and live that faith out practically. And so if you are our only, the type of person that only thinks, so I'm just going to come to church on Sunday, I'm going to come in a little later, you know, when worship starts, so I have to talk to nobody, and then you leave as soon as the announcements start, and you, leave, and you have no other interaction, you will not grow. You will not become a mature Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20 says, Brothers and sisters... Stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. So when it comes to evil things and the things of this world, be innocent. You know, a child is innocent, be innocent like a child. But when it comes to the, to the things of God and to your thinking, be adults, be mature. And to be spiritually mature, we need to be confident in our identity in Christ. We have to understand that, yes, we are saved. And it's okay. I think, I think myself, I've probably been saved. I've, I've said the sinner's prayer. Let's see, there's 365 days in a year times 27. <laughs> like, every single day. Don't think that, that, that it's a one-time deal. You're going to, God has forgiven me so many times. And I'm sure, I'm, thank God his patience is just, he hasn't, it's just never ending. Because <laughs> if it was me, I would have rolled myself along, off a long time ago. But we have to be ident uh, confident in our identity, realizing that we are born again, that we are saved, that, that there is a God who loves us, and that we have a calling on our lives. We have to be faithful in prayer. If you don't have a prayer life, a steady prayer life, each and every day, get one. Get into prayer. 
And one of my misconceptions as a, as a young Christian was prayer was, was you show up and, and, and dear God got your eyes closed and your hands folded and, and you're in a quiet room and you got to constantly be talking and rambling. Listen, prayer is not just about rambling. In fact, the Bible says don't make your prayers super long. Don't be just rambling on like the hypocrites do in the streets. Prayer is entering in, into a time of the day or all throughout the day and just, just talking to God and, and getting your Bible and even journaling. Uh, one of the best things I ever did was start a, a journal where I, I wrote down just what I was feeling in prayer, what I felt God was talking about. I, I would sketch messages, which ended up not being that. But just prayer is more than just talking to God. It's, it's entering into a relationship, being in his presence. And if you don't have that, you need to get that. You have to. Find a place in your home where you just dedicate that, clear all the junk, clear everything, put your Bible, get a tear. A, a table with a chair, just find a time and a place where you go regularly to talk with God. So we have to be faithful in our prayer. And we have to be dependent upon Jesus. How many of you guys, when struggles come, the first thing you go to isn't Jesus? I'm guilty of it every single time. Every single time. And, and you would think that I would have learned the first 20 times that, listen, nobody else can solve my problems but Christ alone. That, that why, why when my life is crumbling down, I think the first person I should go to is, is blaming, you know, blaming somebody else or, or yelling at somebody else. No, listen, God should be the first person that we run to. Christ should be the one that we're dependent upon. There's nobody else on this earth that can do what Christ has done for you and will do. There's nobody else on this planet that can save you. There's nobody else that can bring you the peace that comes with Christ. There's nothing. I'll save you all the time and the heartache if you keep searching. There is nobody else on this planet. There's nothing in this world that will bring the peace, that will bring the salvation, that will bring the, the direction and the, and, the, and the order into your life than Christ. We have to be dependent upon Jesus. And we have to understand this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing uh, I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view on things. So what he's saying is, listen, you have to forget your past. You have to forget what is behind you. You cannot be letting people say, well, listen, you might be preaching Jesus and claim that you're saved, but I remember what you did in high school. Aren't you the guy that, that sold me drugs when I was in college? No, you have got to forget your past and remember what is ahead of you, and that is Christ. You are following him, and he's called you for a purpose. You're going to stumble along the way, and thank God he picks you up a million times if he has to, but he'll pick you up. Forget the past. Remember what your goal is now. He says, we are, we are, uh, he's pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Remember what God has called you. Find your purpose. Find, find what God has for you in this life and, and your role in the body of Christ. We have to realize that we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. But we're going to press forward each day anyways, giving God the glory the whole way, all along the way. That brings us to our third point. The church exists to glorify God. And now this, is, this could be some, basically the entire purpose of the church is to glorify God because everything else hangs on it. Everything that we do should be to glorify God. Everything. Amen. Everything. Every program here at the church should be, should be started and should be focused on one purpose and that is to bring glory to God. It's easy, you know, especially 
especially when you're doing something that in the church that, 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 you know, say you start an event and there's a lot of people that show up, people are like, man, you did a good job. Thank you. This is something I struggle with. When I preach, you know, uh, people that come out and give me compliments, well, my head starts getting this big and realizing, and I have to realize, listen, you know what? That might've been a good message. Maybe it was a bad message. I might've done great at this funeral or, or as best I could, or this wedding was great or whatever happened. It wasn't because of anything I ever did. It wasn't anything that I ever did. I cannot do this by myself. I'm giving, you, you got to give glory to God in all that you do. Everything should be focused to that very thing. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to underline, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I will add, if you cannot give God glory, you shouldn't be doing it. If you can't give God the glory for something in your life, you shouldn't be doing it. But in all that you do, not just sometimes, not just the good things you do, in all that you do should glorify God. That means that your, that your family should, should glorify God. That means that your home should glorify God. Your occupation should be a job, an occupation that glorifies the name of Jesus. The way that you work, the, the effort that you put in. Your words should glorify God. We already talked about that. Social media, it's the worst thing that ever happened to this world is social media. Your words should glorify God. Your marriage should glorify God. Your worship and prayer should be to glorify the name of Jesus. There, the list is endless. Everything that you do, whatever you do, think about it. It needs to glorify God. And if it can't, you shouldn't do it. The church's focus is not to bring glory and honor to itself, but for God. It's easy to have such a beautiful building and a great church and people that come up that say, man, you guys are doing a great job here at Grace Church. It's really growing and a beautiful building. Look at your landscape and look at, look at your kids' program. Listen, it'd be easy to say, yep, I'm doing a pretty good job. Pastor Travis could walk around saying, yep, I'm doing pretty good. But no, he's the type of man that understands that, no, this isn't because of anything we ever did. This is because God has shown favor on this church. God has shown his grace on this church. And he set us in a direction as a body of Christ to reach goals that we can't even dream about. Because he wants us to reach the world. I mean, think about that. 3,000 boxes. That's 3,000 children that are going to receive the word of Jesus just because of this one church. This, the people in this church. It's an amazing thing to worship. I mean... It, it's easy to pass by on both, but think about it. 3,000 kids. 3,000 kids. And it's all to glorify God. Amen. And so as we close, I'll leave you with this. If we only make church an event once a week, we, we talked about this at a meeting this morning too. If we only make church, you know, a once a week event, going to the church, going to church, there's 52 Sundays in a, in a year out of 365 days. If you figure out how many hours in a year, there's something like 8,700 hours. So if we're only coming to church once a Sunday, if your only interaction is coming to church for an hour and a half a week to praise God, and then through the week, you have no other time to give to God. You're not in your prayer. You're not in your Bible. You're not praying. You're not discipling others. You're not involved in your community and, and preaching the gospel. If Sunday mornings, that hour and a half is the only time that you, that you have interactions with God, you are spending less than 1% of your time for God. It's like eight-tenths of a percent. That was an eye-opener for me when I was doing the math. I don't want to go, I don't, I don't want to end this life and end up in the presence of God. And he asks, what did you do with the life that I gave you? Well, God, I gave you eight-tenths of a percent. Can you imagine telling God, I gave you eight-tenths, not even a full, I couldn't even give you a full percent. 
So we have to be a people who strive that as we go, we're preaching the gospel and realizing that we are no longer uh, uh, bound to, to experiencing God's presence in a single building once a week, but rather God goes with us, that he dwells inside of us and that everywhere that you step your foot is church. You're having church. You can have a Bible study in, 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 uh, anywhere. You could, you could be, have a worship service anywhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be in one place. Let's give God, let's be a church that gives God more than 1% of our time. If we're we're called to to, to give our life to Christ, that means 100%. That means everything that we do should glorify God. Everything we do should have a purpose and and, and preach the gospel. Everything we do should be discipling other people and, and, and meeting the basic needs of those around us and loving others. Love is a big deal. I preached about it at the beginning of the year. A lot of us don't, you know, we love the select few that we want to love. Guess what? You're called to love everybody. Everybody. That doesn't mean who you get to pick and choose. It's everybody. And so I encourage you, get involved. Get involved in the church. Get involved in ministry. It doesn't have to be big. You could, you could, you could serve food at an event. It doesn't matter. Get involved. Serve in ministry. You know, get involved in kids' ministry and men's ministry. Be a greeter on Sundays. Get involved in women's ministry or youth. Go on a mission. I encourage you, get in your word. Don't let the Bible just be a book that sits on your nightstand for a great decoration because it's the family Bible. Use it up. Mark your Bibles up. Get in your word. Set a time each and every day. It needs to be every day to to, to get into an intimate relationship with Christ where you're praying, where you're reading his word because as we learned last Sunday, God's word is alive. God's word is alive each and every time. You can read the same scripture a hundred times and each time you'll get another revelation because Christ will speak to you and through you. Don't just rely on on Sunday mornings to get word from God because that's not enough. Don't rely on an hour and a half a week. We already talked about getting a, a steady prayer life. Get into life groups. Discipleship also looks like life groups. We have we have life groups here at church where where people can gather in home and home uh, in homes and have Bible studies and get into into fellowship with one another. Get involved. Don't 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 be waiting for somebody to come to you. But but but, but maybe just take that step and approach. God is maybe that's a step that's got, that God is waiting on you for. Take that extra step and sign up for an event. Talk to somebody. Make that phone call you need to make. realize that we all serve a purpose we all have a purpose a unique purpose you were created uniquely by the hand of God think about that billions of people have lived on this planet there ain't nobody on this planet like you you have a purpose beyond beyond just 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 being a Christian beyond just proclaiming the name of Jesus we all have the common purpose as a church to evangelize disciple glorify God but we all have that unique purpose that calling on your life I encourage you to find it pray about it find it but you have a purpose maybe you're here today and you don't even know this Jesus that I'm talking about maybe you're thinking well that's all fine and daddy but dandy but I don't even know who this Jesus is you know you don't know what I've been through well, I'm here to tell you that if somebody who loves you there is a God who loves you maybe you've heard this a thousand times and it's never hit the mark today but there's a God who loves you think about that billions of people and he still has the, the time and the, and the attention and the love for you enough to know your name and to know every hair on your head. So if you don't know who it is, just, it's a, you know, I encourage you just to, to open up your heart and say, listen, you know what? Maybe you're tired of living in the junk. 
your life doesn't have to be the way it is right now. We don't have to live a life of depression. We don't have to live a life of anxiety. We don't have to live a life where it seems like we never get a breath or a break because there's a God who has done everything that he promised he would do as much as he can possibly to reach you. He get to, to the point where he gave his son for you and, and real blood was shed, real nails were, were, were pounded into a real wrist for you. And all you got to do is accept it. Well, Bo, you know, it can't be that easy. Well, who was it easy for? It's easy for us, thank God, but Christ has already done all the sacrifice. He's already done the work and he's just waiting for you to say, listen, I need you, Jesus. And it's as simple as saying, God, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I've lived my life trying to do all that I can to to make my my life as perfect as I can. I've I've tried to fix my own problems and I can't do it. And now you've come to a point, you're saying, listen, God, I need help. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Lead me out of temptation. Lead me out of the life I used to live and make me new and make me whole and help me to find my purpose. And if you say a prayer like that, if you say that prayer to yourself or, or pray with others, guess what? This is the first day of the rest of your life. And for the Christian, you know, people are always in this life concerned about death. We strive to, to live a life where we can extend our life as far as we can. New medicine is all great. I would love to live as long as I can on this earth because I know God has a purpose for me and I'll do all that I can. But if he should call me home right now, that's okay. Death doesn't exist for the Christian. Am I afraid of death? I'm not. I'm afraid of the process. I really don't want to go through that process. If God could just take me in an instant, I would go. But if I leave here today, I have the confidence in my heart knowing that if I get T-boned at that intersection and I pass away, I know where I'm going to go. My family will know where I'm at. There ain't going to be any worry, any question. And if you don't have that, you need to have that today. So let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your never-ending love, Lord, for using us, God, to, 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 to be a part of this church, Father. I thank you for Grace Church and all the churches in our area, Lord. I thank you for your sacrifice, God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you, that you did all the work for us, Lord, and that you loved us enough to, to, to put your, yourself on the cross, Lord. And, and we are thankful that you are now alive and well at the right hand of the Father, Lord, so that we can have an abundant life and be there one day, God. You're preparing a home for us, Lord. I pray that for this message, that it go out and, and that we would, would be encouraged today, Father, that we would not just give you 1% of our time, Lord, but we'd give you 100%, Father. And I ask that you would show us what that looks like, encourage us, Help us through the week, Father. We pray uh, for the rest of our week, God, and I pray for the safety that we'd all have a safe week and be back here, all to back together next Sunday, Lord. We give you all honor, praise, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.